you know, I'm not here to disconventional medicine because, oh my God, I love doctors. My dad's a doctor. But the thing is, is that you want a collaborative relationship, right? And most doctors really respond well to that. So if you go into your doc, you say, look, I'm working with someone who, or maybe you're not, maybe you're just working on your own. I'm educating myself about thyroid function. I really want to do everything I can from a nutrition and lifestyle place to support my thyroid. I want to get all the information I can. Are you willing to run these markers on me? Are you willing to look at functional reference ranges in addition to the conventional reference ranges so we can evaluate my thyroid function through both lenses? Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be, into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. Today I have on the show Whitney Morgan and Whitney is a fellow FDMP and so I'm excited to bring her on the show, but she is the founder of Morgan Nutrition, creator of the Thyroid Reboot Method and the co-founder of the Functional Health Alliance, which we'll talk about in the show. It's a really great resource that y'all should check out. She specializes in advanced functional testing and root cause healing for women with thyroid issues and she has helped dozens of women with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism completely eliminate their thyroid triggers and restore vibrant health. And we are nerding out on all things thyroid today and talking about what hypothyroidism is, talking about Hashimoto's, talking about what to look for on the labs and really demystifying the labs, understanding things that often get overlooked, how you can work collaboratively with your doctor so that things don't get missed, important metrics don't get missed in the conventional labs that most doctors do. And we're really looking at the root cause and how thyroid disorders aren't usually about the thyroid. We're also going to take a deep dive into gluten and how gluten is related to thyroidism and what that means for you if you have a slow functioning thyroid or you have already have Hashimoto's. This We are totally nerding out and I'm so excited to bring you her insight. She is so knowledgeable in this subject and I want you all to take notes even if you aren't dealing with hypothyroidism somebody in your life is. And it's always good to be proactive. And she talks about a lot of good things on just keeping thyroid, your thyroid healthy. So let's jump in. All right, y'all, let's jump in. I'm here with Whitney and we are talking all things thyroid. She is the thyroid expert. She knows all the things thyroid and we are diving deep into thyroid today. And I was telling her before we hopped on that I know I have a lot of, how do I say, women interested in thyroid health, a lot of women dealing with thyroid issues, right? And you know this, Morgan, how it is and out in the world right now. So many people struggling with thyroid issues. So thank you so much for joining me and bringing all of your wisdom and insight with us today. Sure. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. So let's start with, I kind of like to start with the basics here we're talking about. So Actually, let's start with like the really, really basic basics. Can you tell us what the thyroid is and what it's responsible for in our body? Sure. So the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland in the throat. So basically right here. And it's responsible for producing, predominantly responsible for producing thyroid hormone. Does a couple of other things, but that's really what it's there for. And the... Key thyroid hormones are T4 and T3. 
And the majority of the hormone that the thyroid produces is T4, about 90% is T4, about 10% is T3. And T4 is what we call relatively inactive. So thyroid hormone drives our metabolism. I describe it like it's the gas in your gas tank. It's basically your gas pedal, right? Mm -hmm. So we need it to get down the road. Every cell in the body has receptors for thyroid hormone. It needs thyroid hormone to drive the metabolism in the cell itself, right? Mm -hmm. So every organ needs it, everything, right? All of our physiological functions depend somewhat on thyroid hormone. However, only T3 gets into the cells, right? So all that T4 that the gland produces needs to be converted into T3 in order to get into the cells so you can push push that gas pedal and get you down the road. Mm -hmm. And that conversion, most of it takes place in the liver and in the gut. Mm -hmm. So where do you see the biggest, so since we're looking at the liver and the gut responsible for this conversion, right? Where do you see the biggest issues come about when it comes to that conversion? Yeah. So conversion also depends on certain nutrients. Selenium is a big one. So sometimes nutrient deficiencies can impact conversion. Other things that can disrupt it besides the liver and and the gut in terms of liver and gut dysfunction, the amount of binding globulin that you have. So just like other hormones like estrogen and progesterone and all those things, right? In order for our body to use it, it needs to be unbound, right? So not connected to a transporter protein. So if you've got too many binding globulins, you can kind of think of them as little buses, okay? If you've got too many buses and they're full of thyroid hormone, well, then as long as that hormone is sitting in that bus, it can't get into your cells, Mm -hmm. right? So sometimes it's a binding globulin issue, but- the liver and the gut are big, right? So 60% of conversion happens in the liver, 20% in the gut. So if you've got bacterial dysbiosis or a really leaky gut, or you've got a overgrowth of yeast, or you've got a parasite, or if you have a liver that's really overburdened and isn't detoxing very well, and so it's really not firing on all cylinders, right? So any kind of impaired function in those two organs may inhibit conversion. Mm -hmm. That's why the first step really with any sort of issue with T3 levels, you've got to pay attention to gut health. You've got to pay attention to liver health, which we should be doing anyway, just for general health purposes, right? Right. (laughs) But, But it tends to always be part of that puzzle. Yeah. So what are the like the kind of the signs and symptoms to look out for because I find that a lot of people don't know that they have you know quote unquote thyroid issues or however you want to say it until too late and I say too late not too late and I can't do anything about it but too late it's like well I'm already full-blown like hypothyroidism like are there any signs that people can look for like before they get to that full-blown hypothyroidism state yeah well like with most things symptoms don't emerge until a certain amount Mm-hmm. Uh, destruction has occurred, right, right? Right. But once those symptoms come up, at least in the thyroid world, it could be as simple as, hey, I don't have the same energy I used to have. Mm-hmm. I need more coffee in the morning. I don't wake up feeling refreshed. Or I'm starting to put on weight. 
and I don't can't really explain it mm-hmm. or my skin's getting dry or I'm now I'm feeling a lot cold. You know, I'm, I'm always colder than everybody else in the room or it can be little things that you notice. And these little things, most of them don't seem to be related to each other. Mm-hmm. The dry skin doesn't seem to be related to your temperature or whether or not you have constipation or, but because thyroid hormone impacts every cell, every organ, every tissue, you can have these vague, seemingly innocuous symptoms coming from a variety of different locations. Mm -hmm. You think they're all different and unrelated, but they're all related by the fact that you don't have enough thyroid hormone. Right. And I say that because the majority of thyroid dysfunction in this country is hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. or or not enough hormone, right? right? Sluggish thyroid. But when we get right down to it, the majority is actually Hashimoto's. Mm. So, so can you explain the difference between those? What that sure. means for those who don't know? Hypothyroidism simply means that for whatever reason, you don't have enough thyroid hormone production or you don't have enough conversion or it's just not getting into the cells for whatever reason. Nine times out of 10, that has something to do with the adrenals. Mm -hmm. So it can be something as simple as, hey, I've been eating a fast food diet and burning the candle at both ends and surviving on coffee. And I'm a type A student. I'm stressed all the time. You do that long enough, your adrenals kind of get out of whack, out of balance. And whatever dysfunction that occurs in your adrenals kind of spills over to the thyroid. And then suddenly now your thyroid is not producing as much hormone, or you can actually get your cells can become resistant to thyroid hormone, right? So that's kind of like your general hypothyroidism. And usually if you support adrenals and you clean up the diet and you start making healthy lifestyle choices and getting enough sleep and all of that, then the thyroid comes back online and okay, right? Mm -hmm. But The research is telling us that most hypothyroidism in the U.S. is actually caused by Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune process. Mm -hmm. So that is an autoimmune response where the location of the tissue damage is happening at the thyroid. Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so what's causing that? Well, it could be gluten sensitivity. That's a huge trigger, very common trigger. It could be heavy metal toxicity. It could be chronic viral infections, like a viral trigger. Mm-hmm. But usually to get Hashimoto's, you have to have certain dominoes lined up and right. then and then something happens, which is that final thing that pushes you over the edge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now you're off to the races. Right. But most women with Hashimoto's actually go undiagnosed mm. because for a variety of reasons, but in my opinion, this is just in my opinion, it's mostly because in conventional medicine, there's no difference in how they treat hypothyroidism versus Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. I mean, the treatment is the same. The intervention yeah. is pretty much the same. Yeah. So does it really matter what right. I diagnose you with, right? Mm-hmm. But in functional medicine, they are different, but both require an investigation into other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned gluten and I know that's a big one. And I know yeah. with all my clients with Hashimoto's or just hypothyroidism, gluten is like a non-negotiable. Can yes. you talk about the connection there between gluten and the thyroid and why it's so important to go gluten-free when you're looking at hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's? Yeah. Well, first, 
and I'm speaking from my own clinical experience and my own personal experience, if you're diagnosed with hypothyroidism, I believe you should just act as if you have Hashimoto's. Right. I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So let's start mm-hmm. from that premise. And here's the problem with gluten. Several problems. One is that whether or not you're sensitive to gluten, gluten causes leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Right? It raises zonulin inside, that, and that's an enzyme that regulates those tight junctions between the cells of the of the small intestine. So it raises zonulin levels inside the gut, which deteriorate or cause dysfunction in those tight junctions, creating a leaky gut. Right. So leaky gut is one of those dominoes that can be lined up that make you more vulnerable right. to getting an autoimmune disease. So it causes a leaky gut in everyone, no matter who you are, that's just the way it goes, okay? Second thing is that there is a lectin of wheat called wheat germaglutinin. Now, this isn't gluten. This is the lectin. So Mm -hmm. it's a different part of the wheat plant. Mm -hmm. Gluten is a separate part of the wheat plant. Okay, so the lectin of wheat also damages the gut lining, gets through the gut lining, and then... It can attach to almost every single organ and tissue in the body. So it loves to go to the thyroid. So it Mm. goes to the thyroid. It attaches to the thyroid. The immune system sees it and says, you don't belong there. And it starts to go after the WGA to protect us, right? Because it's a bad guy. And then the surrounding thyroid tissue starts to get damaged in the process. And now that is sparking that autoimmune Mm -hmm. tissue destruction. And so that's what we call autoimmunity by collateral damage. Mm. Then there is a part of the gluten protein that has what we call molecular mimicry with thyroid tissue, with with a certain aspect of thyroid tissue. Right. So what that means is that they look so much alike that the immune system can make a mistake and not tell the difference. And then suddenly it starts to look at this part of the thyroid as if it's gluten and then goes after it and tries to destroy it. And now your thyroid's getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. So there are three ways, right? That wheat or parts of of the wheat plant can put you on that path to Hashimoto's. That's why no one with a thyroid issue should be consuming wheat or gluten. Nobody. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of times, at least some of my clients in my world, you know, we talk about gluten and they think if they're not full-blown Hashimoto's that it's not a big deal, but Mm -hmm. I'm in the same boat as you where it's like, let's just treat it like it is, you know, because it's the same process, whether you have the Hashimoto's or not. That's right. Yeah. And you know what, even if you are one of those unicorns that you don't have Hashimoto's yet, but you have hypothyroidism, Mm -hmm. if you continue to eat gluten thinking it's okay you're just increasing your risk of your hypothyroidism becoming Hashimoto's. So yeah, that was going to be my next question. for you. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned this so that it does either way you're increasing your risk. So right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you get some other autoimmune disease. That's a Mm -hmm. little bit scarier. Right. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So we're talking gluten-free is, is there anything else that people should be looking at that can affect the thyroid and maybe not the same way, but in a similar way as gluten that we should be looking out for to avoid? Well, you know, there are some, what I call the usual suspects, right? So I already mentioned, you know, heavy metals can be one of those things. So amalgams, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big, a big source of inorganic mercury. Mm -hmm. Certain bacteria in the gut can trigger 
be a Hashimoto's trigger. H. pylori is one of them. Citrobacter, Prevotella, Klebsiella. So mm-hmm. these are very common bacteria that we all have yeah. swimming around in our gut. But yeah. when they get out of control, mm-hmm. then they can trigger Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And of course, other viral things, right? So it could be EBV, Epstein-Barr or cytomegalovirus, or I believe that uh, coronavirus or COVID can be a trigger for Hashis too. That's what mm-hmm. I see in, yeah. in a lot of my Hashis clients. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we can't avoid these things, right? right? I mean, we can't, I don't want people to get stressed out and say, oh God, I got to live in a bubble. Right. No, the, the answer is just to optimize gut function, stay on top of it. You know, make sure you're running a stool test at least once a year, mm-hmm. you know, keep tabs just yeah. like you would with your annual blood work with your yeah. doctor right. and, you know, make sure you're giving your liver a lot of love and you're not putting it under too much stress mm-hmm. and you're doing these common sense things that will optimize detoxification. Mm-hmm. If you know you've had exposure to certain heavy metals like mercury and cadmium and lead and things like that, then, you know, maybe get tested and yeah. see and go to a biological dentist, safely get your right. fillings replaced. Right. I yeah. mean, there are just things that we can do without freaking out. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm so glad you mentioned, I was just having a conversation this weekend. I worked at an expo and a woman was talking to me about her son and he has all these issues and he has Hashimoto's, which, you know, is pretty rare for a man to have it. Yeah. And so I was, I was trying to kind of dig a little bit deeper and sure enough, she said, oh yeah, when he was 19, he's like 25 and she's so young and he's all of these other things too. But he, at 19, he got a really bad bout of mono. And she's like, yeah. I know that's what triggered it. And I'm like, that's absolutely what triggered it. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yes. it's crazy yeah. to think. And I've had clients too, where, you know, they've had mono and you know, the Epstein-Barr virus lives in you. For those listening who don't know what that means, it lives in you mm-hmm. forever and sure. it can trigger things. But yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that about Hashimoto's because I think a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people don't know that men can get it. It's just rare that, you know, right. that men get it, right. but it is important to know. So I love that you put that connection. So I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about labs and stuff. Sure. Because I know I see this in my world with people who come to me with thyroid things. And I know you see it with the people that you work with is, you know, they've gone to get the labs and the doctor's like, oh, your thyroid's okay. Like, you know, it's still okay, but, but they're not really necessarily getting the full picture from the lab that they're getting from the doctor. So can Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about the labs and are there specific things? There's so many parts to this question, but you can pick this apart how you want. But are there things like we should be asking for from the doctor? Like, I want you to specifically test this. Are there things to look at? Are there things that don't usually get measured that should be measured? Like, how do we approach the labs from a real, a more like, I guess, holistic perspective and get more like better data from those? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think the first step is always, hey, you know, do what you need to do to become your best advocate. So what that means is you need to get a little education. I have a free thyroid lab test interpretation guide on my website. Anyone can go download it. It explains all the different markers, what they mean. It tells you the difference between the conventional or standard reference ranges and what we use in the functional world, which is the narrow functional reference ranges. And also what different patterns might tell you about what are the clues, you know, like, can you get some clues from your lab results that might point you towards adrenal dysfunction or gut dysfunction or things like that. But when it comes to interacting with your 
conventional doc first, when they say, hey, we're going to check your thyroid, ask, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. What is on your thyroid test? Right. right. So some doctors, it might just be, hey, we're going to look at your TSH. That's the first step. And if the TSH is quote unquote normal, then your thyroid is ruled out and we move on to find some other cause for your the symptoms you're complaining of. But TSH is not a thyroid hormone. It's produced by the pituitary gland. It's the signal from the pituitary to the thyroid telling the thyroid either to increase or decrease hormone production. And TSH can look relatively normal for quite some time, even though thyroid hormone levels are not optimal. So, and it can fluctuate during the day too. And the standard reference range is pretty wide. So for instance, you might have a TSH of four and your doc says, well, everything looks fine. But in the functional world, we don't want you to go above 2.2, or at least Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. right? So anything above that, I'm thinking, okay, something's going on here. We need to take a deeper look. Right. Some doctors will do TSH plus like your total T4, and they'll look at that. And that's that main hormone that's produced by the thyroid gland. And then again, oh, if that's normal, according to the standard reference range, then we could rule out the thyroid. So- My point really is that right out of the gate, most of the time in conventional medicine, they're not going to run what you and I would think of Mm -hmm. as a comprehensive thyroid lab. They're going to start with the smaller, more conservative testing first. Right. It's just more pragmatic from their perspective. From our perspective, we're like, no, we want all the data. Yes. We want to see everything. Mm -hmm. So- I always suggest that one, you ask your doctor, what do they mean? Write it down, take notes in your, in your session Mm -hmm. and say, okay, he says, or she says, we're going to test TSH and and T4. Okay. Is that total T4 and free T4, right? This Mm -hmm. is why you need a little education. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I want to see both. I want to see your total amount of T4 And the amount of T4 that's actually Mm bioavailable, that's the free T4. Mm -hmm. I also want to see total T3 and free T3, okay? Because that T3, you can have plenty of T4, but if you're not converting it, your T3 is going to be low. And then the doctor's like, well, everything looks fine. You got plenty of T4. Yeah, but I still feel like crap. Well, that's because you don't have enough T3. So you need to see that too. And then reverse T3. That's something that's rarely looked at in conventional medicine. So T4 can either be converted into T3 or reverse T3. So reverse T3 is the brake pedal in your car. Mm-hmm. We need both. We need mm-hmm. the gas, we need the brakes. But what do we use the most when we're driving down the highway? We use the gas. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. But we need the brakes when we need it, right? So reverse T3 is the brakes. Both reverse T3 and free T3 compete for the same cell receptors, right? So Think of the cell as the car, mm-hmm. all right? So if you've got reverse T3, too much reverse T3 floating around and it's flooding all those cell receptors, that cell is riding the brakes, right? Okay, so that's good information to have. How much reverse T3 is there? Mm-hmm. And then there are other things like antibodies, right? TPO antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies. That's really important. And then the binding globulin I was talking about, which is called thyroxine binding globulin, 
there should be some way to measure that on a comprehensive lab. Sometimes they look at the binding globulin levels directly. Sometimes they look at T3 uptake, but whatever, you need to measure it somehow, get an assessment, because that tells you how many of those protein buses are floating around, kind of trapping all your thyroid Mm -hmm. hormone inside. We need those buses. We need a certain amount of them, but we don't want too much or too few, right? right? So if you don't have all those pieces, you can't really develop an accurate story around what's going on in your thyroid world, right? right? So that's why, you know, getting a little education ahead of time, it doesn't take very long, a couple of hours of your time to learn about the basics of thyroid function and, you know, have something like my thyroid guide with you and you can, you know, carry it into your doctor's office and say, hey, I want this lab, Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. markers, will you do that? Yep. And I think too that I'm not here to disconventional medicine because, oh my God, I love doctors. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, my yeah. dad's my dad's a doctor. But the thing is, is that you want a collaborative relationship, right, right? right? And most doctors really respond well to that. So if you go into your doc, you say, "Look, I'm working with someone who, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're just working on your own. I'm educating myself about thyroid function. I really want to do everything I can from a nutrition and lifestyle." place to support my thyroid. I want to get all the information I can. Are you willing to run these markers on me? Are you willing to look at functional reference ranges in addition to the conventional reference Mm -hmm. ranges so we can evaluate my thyroid function through both lenses, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, just almost like talk to them the way you would to maybe a college professor or a teacher, or can we work on this together, right? Can we collaborate? I really think that the docs like that. Mm-hmm. They like people that that want to take control mm-hmm. of their health and really mm-hmm. participate in the process. And if for some reason the response is negative, well, that tells you something about right. the person right. in the room with you. Right. 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 Yeah. That was the main response to that because I know that a lot of doctors do appreciate that, but then there's some that don't. And I have had worked with people before where their doctor's like, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. So yeah. yeah, I think that's true to be able to, I guess, look at it as obviously advocating for yourself, but like, do mm-hmm. I need to find another practitioner or is my doctor willing to, I love how you said that a collaborative relationship. I love that. And I mean, I'm hoping I had an interview last year, the week before talking about that, how I just, both of us were saying like, I really hope we can get to a point where all doctors can look at having collaborative relationships, not only with their patients, but with functional practitioners like yeah. us, where it's like, we could work together to help people. Like, you know, it's not about, you know, more than me or I know more than you. It's like, we can work together to help. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I have the same perspective. And honestly, I think that's, that is a rare desire in both camps. Totally. I'll be the first to say our community of alternative providers tend to be kind of anti-conventional yeah, medicine. Right, and right. it's a happy day when we can prove them wrong. I was like, yeah. no, no, no. Because I kind of look at that like, if you think of your clients like you would your children, mm-hmm. and not to like, let's say your their clients are like children, but, <laughs> but parents, they need to have a united front. They need to right. work together. Yeah. If they're coming from two totally different exactly. places, that creates a lot of stress yep. on children. Yep. I think of it that way with clients. Well, yeah, it's like, it's- I don't ever want to put my client in a position where they feel like they have to choose between right. 
seeing things my way or the way of their doctor. That's ridiculous. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need to build these collaborative relationships, build a lot of bridges with the awareness that, hey, man, these doctors do way out of the scope of my practice. I'm not touching it. I'm staying in my lane. Mm -hmm. But most doctors don't have the time to hold their patients' hands and help them execute. Exactly. Execute on the plan. It's one thing to say, look, you need to eat healthier. You need to exercise more. You need to stop smoking. You need to get more sleep. Okay. And then the patient leaves the office and says, well, how do I do that? I'm going back into my life. How do Mm -hmm. I make these changes? That's Mm -hmm. where folks like you and I come in. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I know I've, I was on a podcast a while back and she works for um, a functional med doctor as sort of a, like a, of a health coach, like she hires health coaches to help. And it's, it's a similar, like what you're talking about, it's that same concept where it's like, okay, the functional doc is, you know, seeing the patients, but the doc doesn't have all the time to have the one-on-one like accountability piece. And that's what's needed. And I think that's what last week when I was talking with the gal I was interviewing, we were talking about that, like, you know, in in a perfect world, you know, when, where we could have like practitioners like you and me working alongside where it's like, you're, cause I, I love that. And I totally agree with you. And because I, I've had instances like that too, where I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes and saying that I know more than like, it's, it's like we can work together for yeah. the same purpose. Right. And yep. I, I think it is, it's not about proving them wrong or whatever. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that perspective. I would love to kind of switch gears for a second and just talk about how you got into this realm as the thyroid expert that you are and yeah. FDNP and your acupuncturist and so many things. So what kind of led you down the path where you are right now? Yeah. Well, you know, like so many of us, it was my own health journey, mm-hmm. right? I come from a very medical family, so I'm steeped in conventional medicine. And <laughs> if if there was a religion in my household, it was, it was medicine, <laughs> pill for everything, right? Uh, and... In 1996, I was diagnosed with psoriasis. So I went to a dermatologist, got all the creams, yada, yada. And then a few years later, well, let me back up a little bit. My first real diagnosis was a panic disorder. Mm. That was in my 20s. Then I got psoriasis and then I got Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. Then I got interstitial cystitis. Mm. And then I got my celiac diagnosis. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm an autoimmune collector. And (laughs) um, it was really a 15 year journey. But what got me off of the kind of hardcore path of conventional medicine and and brought me where I am now was my interstitial cystitis Mm -hmm. diagnosis because it was so severe. I mean, that that's 24-7 pain. It's like the worst urinary tract infection of your life that oh, never gosh. goes away. And no pill touches it. Mm. Nothing, right? And so I was in my 40s. And so here the head of urology was telling me that, hey, this won't kill you, but you're going to die with it. It's going to get worse. Awesome. And yeah, there's nothing that can be done. We'll try and manage your pain. Join a support group. I mean, oh that gosh. was my message. Holy so. At that moment, I mean, literally every cell in my body, it's almost like I could hear all these tiny voices say no. And I walked out of that office. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that is not my future. I am not mm-hmm. signing on for that. Uh-uh. So that's when I started, you know, looking around. I got a naturopath, started doing my own research and learning about naturopathy and herbs and different therapeutic diets and 
started going to an acupuncture student clinic for the pain and fell so much in love with the medicine because it was so effective that uh, I decided to go to acupuncture school. So when I graduated from acupuncture school, I knew I was still really interested in this kind of, we didn't have a term for it then, functional medicine really wasn't in the zeitgeist, but Mm -hmm. that kind of Western side Mm -hmm. of root cause medicine, Right. right? And so I went to FDN and got certified there. And I just continued to learn and, you know, everything that I learned, I applied to myself. And so long story short, all of these autoimmune diseases are in remission. That's amazing. And I'm asymptomatic. I don't even put interstitial cystitis on my health intake forms for any doctor anymore because- it's not in my body. I'm sorry. No, That's I know awesome. I cured That's that. Yeah. yeah. Which is unheard of. Yeah. You know, it's just totally unheard of. Yes. And it really has come down to root cause investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether we're talking about from a Chinese medicine perspective or from a functional medicine perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're two sides of the same coin. In Chinese right. medicine, we have, you know, pulse and tongue and other ways of investigating. Functional medicine, we got labs, you know, so mm-hmm. it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You really do have the best of both worlds. I love yeah. that. And what a testament, like for y'all listening, where, you know, because I know, and I hear this from clients all the time, like doctors telling like, we're going to have this the rest of your life. You're going to have this the rest of your life. You're going to be a med the rest of your life. Like, and you were, I mean, you literally were collecting autoimmune issues yeah. and now you're in remission for, I mean, it, that's incredible. So what a testament to finding the root cause, getting the root cause, like that's huge. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I love yeah. that. And, you know, with very, very few exceptions, everything that I did mm-hmm. to heal myself is absolutely available and accessible yeah. to the average person. Yeah. Yeah. Without for a sure. doubt. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing your story. That I mean, it's going to be sure. inspiring for a lot of people listening and give people hope that it's, you know, you're not going to die with all the diagnoses and it's, yeah, I love, I love it. Yes. Diagnosis okay. is not destiny. That's yeah. it. That's exactly it. That's, that's it. That's, I'm going to yeah. put that, so hang that somewhere. Cause that's, <laughs> that's huge. I do have another question that I want to ask sure. you that I like to ask everyone as we finish up before I do that. Can you let everyone know where to find you? I know you mentioned some really good resources that you have. So let everyone know where they can find out more about you and these resources that can really help them on their thyroid journey. Sure. So Whitney Morgan Nutrition whether Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, website, it's all the same thing, Whitney Morgan Nutrition. I do have some good free resources on gluten on my website and on the thyroid. I've got some very affordable classes on the thyroid. So I have my Thriving Thyroid series. You can get those on my website. So if you're interested in educating yourself Mm -hmm. so you can build that collaborative relationship with your doctors, that's a great place to start. Yeah. One thing I'm really excited about is that you probably know Paula Reed, right? She's mm-hmm. an FDN mm-hmm. um, clinical advisor, Love right? Paula. And uh, we've been friends for a while and we just started a collaboration together. We have started the Functional Health Alliance awesome. and we created this community to be that bridge between our world and conventional medicine, right? Yeah. So it's a place where... People can come who are working on their own health. Maybe they can't afford to be a private client for folks like you and me. Right. But they really need that expert coaching and they want to cut through all of the noise, right? There's so much noise out there on social media. 
So this is a place where they can come for a good seasoned functional coaching advice. And mm-hmm. so we do live Q and A's, we have courses, we, we have free coaches office hours. Awesome. So you can even get some private one-on-one time yeah. with us. So yeah, we're excited about that. So I love that. If, if that sounds like something that for any of your listeners, check out the Functional Health Alliance. Yeah, for sure. And of course, I'll have notes to all of that. What a what a great resource. That's amazing that y'all are putting yeah, that we're together. Excited. That's awesome. I love it. So I have all that, the links in the show notes. So y'all go join that. And what a great, I mean, gosh, that's a perfect resource for like just the self-guided person who can get answers on their own. And I love that. That's so exciting. I love it. <laughs> Okay. So the last question I want to ask you is that I like to end with, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? Well, I think it would be find that one thing or reconnect with that one thing that infuses your whole body with joy. So for me, that's joyful movement. It's dance. Mm, Me too. Are you a dancer? I am a dancer. Me too. What kind of dance do you do? Well, I grew up dancing all, you know, ballet, jazz, I mean, all the, I danced till I was 20 something and I coached dance teams and I taught dance and. Awesome. uh, Yeah. That's Yeah. Dancing to me is the fast track to everything. Everything good and happy. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I'm a big Argentine tango. Oh, that's so fun. I told my husband, yeah, as I was about to say, I just told my husband, I'm like, you know what? This is going to be the year we go do like take ballroom ballroom lessons, like to do social dance because so fun. And it's right. I have my, my brick and mortar studio is telling you about, we do like, I mean, it's Pilates based fitness. I got into Pilates Mm -hmm. because of dance, but we do, you know, we have dance cardio. So it's kind of my outlet per se, but I love the social dance. And I was just telling my husband, like, that's, this this is the year we're going to go do that. That's so fun. Oh, I'm excited for you. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) It's so fun. So do you do that regularly? The social dance, like the classes and stuff? I used to do a lot of ballroom. So all that stuff, right? The waltz and the rumba and the cha-cha and all that. But then I fell in love with the Argentine tango. So I left the ballroom world. Uh-huh. And I found an Argentine tango teacher oh here gosh. in Tucson. And so I just so really cool. wanted to focus on that yeah. just because it's, to me, it's like dancing the tango is like being on the best roller coaster ride ever, where you're just like this sense of excitement, like you don't know where it's going to go, but it's just, yeah. it's this simmering sort of joyful excitement in my body oh my the entire gosh. time. I can't, can't I get enough of it. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Joyful movement. I feel like I should add that to like the prescriptive things for it. Like, just love how you said that. I love that. That's so cool. Who knew? I did not know you were a dancer. That's so, I just love it. That's awesome. Oh, we should, we should connect. We should. Yes. Yes. I love this. Thank you so much for this insight, Whitney, into all things thyroid. And I mean, you've just given people such a wealth of information. So thank you for sharing and for sharing so openly and for these resources that now everyone has access to. So thank you for all of that. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.